This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe today. Off Scripts Time Capsule. Rating and ranking the years that have shaped us. I'm Robbie Greenfield and alongside me is Chris McCarty and Sona Rapani. Working our way through the years, we'll highlight world events, cultural achievements and the stories that have been forgotten. 1985 has always been earmarked as a pre-tournament favourite when it comes to ranking and rating the years that, we have, uh, that we've seen over the last 40, which and we're doing on, on our countdown. Why is that? Because what did you know about 1985 until you researched the year well, today? Well, off the top of my head, its reputation preceded its own. I knew that it was the scene of Live Aid and Freddie Mercury's oh, performance, yes. his very famous performance, Bohemian Rhapsody with Queen. Oh. I knew that it was Michael Jordan's rookie season. Did you? I knew that Back to the Future had come out in 1985. And once I did a, little, did a little bit more digging, I knew that we were dealing with a very special year here. Okay. Okay. Um, but a quick recap. So 1980, 4.75 out of 10, yeah. Pac-Man and Dallas. 1981, Indiana Jones and the Dubai Grand Prix, 7.35 out of 10. Year 81. 82, disappointed. E.T. phoned home. A computer was named person of the year, mm. 4.5 out of 10. 83, MJ debuts the moonwalk. Thrust 2 sets the land speed record. The A-Team launches. It got 7.37 out of 10. 1984, Tetris was launched. The Terminator came out. And the uh, Olympic Games were hosted in Los Angeles, where Carl Lewis was a dominant figure. 7.1 out of 10. Good. Good score. I missed that. Okay. 1985, it was the year where Coke made a marketing mishap, a rare misstep in the history of Coke. Back in April of 1985, Coca-Cola introduced new Coke, in what many observers declared actually to be the worst marketing blunder in history. Coke at the time was a 99-year-old company looking for a way to shake things up. So they created a sweeter version yes, that had been preferred in taste tests. Yeah, it was taste tests with Pepsi, and they thought, oh, we need to make it sweet, sweeter. That, of course, in the taste test, it's going to taste better when it's sweeter. But, of course, when you get through a whole bottle or a whole can, people don't want that. People want it to be a little bit more refreshing. Right. And after two years, they reeled back against it and went back to the original Coke. Recipe. Yes, and they rebranded it Coca-Cola Classic. New Coke disappeared entirely. So it was a real misstep. And, um, yeah, they got things back. They righted the ship, did Coca-Cola. Do you kind of, in a way, revel in marketing blunders? You know, kind of because these... Someone these lost big... their job over that, so no. Yeah, but you know what I mean? These big <laughs> in companies... 1985, I think we can have a little bit of a laugh about <laughs> it now. Everything is so calculated <laughs> and perfect, you know? Every now and then when something goes wrong, you think... I'm sure that individual in 1985 is still not looking for a job now. <laughs> yeah. Now, this could be the greatest timeout in the history of sport that I'm about to tell you about now. 1985, the president of the World Chess Federation called time on a world title chess match that had been going on for five months. Cheaper. This was back when chess was the thing. Chess what? and snooker. Ah! Was no, no. chess the Ch- thing back Ch- in 1985? Chess and snooker were huge in the mid-80s. And I'm going to tell you about snooker, and you'll probably remember exactly where we're going with that when we get to sport. But basically, the five-month-old chess match had been going on since the previous year. And by February the 16th, the president of the International Chess Federation, um, a man by the name of Florencio Campomanes, I got there eventually, um, he, de- he declared that a match that was poised 5-3 between Anatoly Karpov and Gary Kasparov 
Okay, Karpov, the reigning champion, Kasparov, the young upstart, Sounds the like young challenger. Mm. Play for Russia. Yeah, uh, it was 5-3. Now, uh, Karpov had taken a 5-0 lead, but he hadn't won a game since November come February, and Gary Kasparov had whittled the advantage back. These matches were just marathons. They were gone so, forever. There's so many questions to this. Were Karpov and the other fellow, what was his name? Uh, Karpov and Kasparov. K Kasparov. Yeah. Were they both coming back to the same table every single day for five months? Pretty much, yeah. Oh, and yeah. they were just, yeah, it was just a battle of wits and minds, and they were both complete chess, grand chess masters. Um, anyway, eventually, uh, the, the Chess Federation said, the match is off, and there was uproar at 5-3. I mean, but, if you were a player who'd invested five months of your life yeah, to winning this, how well, much would you be raging that another party had called it off? Both players objected during the press conference in which the match was abandoned. And eventually they got it back on. They, they reset it, went again at nil-nil. And Kasparov would eventually, in September of that year, so a full year after their series first started, Kasparov would eventually clamber and climb to the mountaintop 13-11 and achieve international recognition. I mean, everyone knows the name Gary Kasparov. <laughs> do you say? No, no, Come I don't. Come on. Gary, do you? Of course, Gary Kasparov. Yeah, chess. Nah. Come on, it's famous. What? Very famous. The other fellow, as I vaguely recall, <laughs> Okay, well, anyway, there's a lot to get through here in 1985. I do want to tell you, in 1985, it was the year after 73 years that the wreck of the Titanic was discovered. Really? That's pretty impressive. Yeah. So obviously we all know the story of the Titanic, but um, people couldn't find it. And it, it had actually been drifting on the seabed of the North Atlantic Ocean. And, you know, no one had been able to locate it. The technology simply hadn't existed and it had been lost seemingly. And to such a point where governments and, you know, the military were just giving up on it effectively. But there was one oceanographer called Robert Ballard who finally made a breakthrough. He developed a new deep-sea robot. It was an unmanned camera sled, and it could be towed behind the surface of uh, uh, the ship at depths of about 20,000 feet. So the U.S. Navy was the, the institution that he approached and said, come on, let's find the Titanic. And they weren't that interested. They couldn't be bothered to search for it. But what they did want was to use his robot to survey the wrecks of a couple of submarines that had been sunk in the 1960s. The Cold War at this time was still going on. Two subs, the Thresher and the Scorpion. So they said, listen, if you can do the work on those two, in your remaining time that we allocate, you can search for the Titanic. That is brilliant. Okay? I did not know that backstory. Yeah, so he did it all, and he had 12 days to spare to look for the Titanic, right? But he was coming up empty. While photographing the two subs, the Thresher and the Scorpion, he'd noticed that the current had carried small bits of wreckage from the ships as they fell to the seafloor, and this created a chain of debris. So he thought, instead of searching for the Titanic's hull, why don't I scour a much larger area and search for debris that had fallen from the ship as it sank, and that will lead me back to the hull? And after quite a few days in that 12-day period, they were rewarded with the sight of a couple of hull plates and the telltale boiler of the ship on the ocean floor. And the robot continued stalking this trail until the following morning, out of the depths, the Titanic's bow just emerged on camera. I mean, imagine the sight oh. of that. Lost for 73 years. And you see the wreck. That is where you get goosebumps. 73 years and your little contraption that you've built and conceptualised finds the Titanic. That is extraordinary.
What a story. So, yes. I love the sleuthing, the detective work, the approach to it. Um, so let's get on to the movies, because it was a strong year for movies in 1985. There were some doozies. First of all, how about this for a cult classic? You have exactly eight hours and 54 minutes to ponder the error of your ways. Any questions? Yeah. Does Barry Manilow know that you raid his wardrobe? A brain, a beauty, a jock, a rebel, and a recluse. I can't believe this is really happening to me. The Breakfast Club. They only met once. I don't want to be alone anymore. You don't have to be. But it changed their lives forever. I mean, I consider you guys my friends. I'm not wrong, am I? Oh, that's such a good movie. <laughs> Love that movie. Uh, it makes you think that's another thing that could have only happened in the 80s, yeah. right? Do schools still have those kind of typical cliques anymore? Yeah, detention Probably. whereby you yeah. spent it in the gymnasium for five. I know certainly my school be- didn't do that. You wouldn't be told to come in at a weekend. Your detention would be you're not allowed to go home until five o'clock. Or yeah, whatever. it'd be after school. Yeah, it would never be you have to come in on a Saturday. Mm. No. I've got a fun fact about Breakfast Club. Judd Nelson, who played John Bender... Yeah. Okay, bearing in mind these were high which, school kids. Which character was he's he? He's the headmaster he's, or the okay. teacher. No, 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 no. He's the one of the, the lead kids. Is he? Is yes. he the troublemaker? Yes, he is. Nicholas Clay Cage and John Cusack had auditioned for the part, but it went to Nelson. Huh. And he was 26 at the time of filming, <laughs> playing a high school kid. Oh, he was the... Oh, okay. He was the... Uh, I've just spent the day afternoon the researching, Chris. I know you've got good knowledge on all things film. <laughs> John Bender, yeah. Okay. He's the, he's the, the kind of... He's the, the one that sets the final arm off, etc. Yeah. The... yeah, he was 26 <laughs> playing a high school kid, which is just a weird concept. Dawson speaks a bit like that. That, that, yeah, that, that happens all the time, doesn't yeah, it? True, yeah, true, true, true. <laughs> what did I tell you? 88 miles per hour! <laughs> the thermal displacement occurred exactly 120 a.m. at zero seconds! Uh, it was well-received at the time, but in the years since its release, Back to the Future oh. continues to grow in esteem. It's actually considered to be one of the, gr- the greatest films of all time, mm. that original Back to the Future film. That's, that's going some. It, is it, still it appears amazing. in top, top 100 lists. Does it really? Yeah, it does. Wow. Uh, I mean, it's great. Certainly one of the greatest sort of science fiction oh, yeah. type films ever made. Definitely a product of its time. What about Michael J. Fox's other film? Of the year. He starred in a movie called Teen Wolf. Okay. Take a listen to this great clip. He played a a character called Scott and he gets an explanation from his dad when he turns into a werewolf for the first time. An explanation is probably long overdue. An explanation? Jesus Christ, Dad, an explanation? Look at me. Look at you. It's not as bad as it looks. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Dad. You mean you knew about this? You knew about this and you didn't tell me? I was hoping I wouldn't have to. Sometimes it skips a generation. <laughs> have you ever seen the It's brilliant. Is it brilliant? He's surfing in the USA. I'm it brilliant. doesn't sound brilliant. It's How great. unenthusiastic and not into the role does that well, dad sound? No, but that's the, that was the comedy was of the it. Point, yeah. he was, he's a werewolf. I guess you have to sort of watch it rather than it's, listen to it. It's but. an era defined. It was, uh, growing up, Teen Wolf was amazing. He turns amazing at basketball. And he's finally accepted by his high school peers. It's a great movie. Do you take Teen Wolf over Back to the Future? No, no. Of course he doesn't. You wouldn't go that Come far. On. That's go that one of his favorite, favorite films, Back <laughs> to the Future. But Teen Wolf is good. Here's another Cl- McCarty classic. You're a funny guy, Sally. I like you. That's why I'm going to kill you last. But Sally, when I promised to kill you last... That's what made you... You did! I lied. <laughs> 
Of that course. has just made it a 10 out of 10 <laughs> for Chris. Commando. That alone, nothing else matters. That one fact oh, has definitely yeah. made it a 10 Watch for Chris. That movie, uh, finally, movies. who on earth could forget this piece of cinematic brilliance and acting excellence as well? What started out as a joke has turned out to be a disaster. Pete appears to be in very serious condition. The man If he dies, he dies. That is my childhood in a nutshell. It really so is. So from a movie perspective, it's 10 out of 10. Well, <laughs> now let's move on, though, to music. And this is where I feel personally, again, very subjective this, but the year has been let down badly when it comes to music. It was the year of the power ballad. This was the best-selling single of 1985. I, I mean, come on. Ouch. <laughs> Producer Thomas just uttered an expletive from the, <laughs> from the side studio. Oh dear! That was the uh, best that's Jennifer song Rush's of the year. "Power of Love." And listen, it was awful. I, I'm picking out some of the best-selling songs of the year, and some people love these songs. They're not for me. Don't you a fan of George and his careless whisper? <laughs> Normally, I Chris am. Chris could fan. be the new. He could be the new careless whisper. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, I am a fan of George, but this would be in my bottom three of his songs. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was. It, Along it, with a huge "Wake Me Up Before You Go Go." Well, that was the previous year. Yeah, and uh, last Christmas I gave you my heart. Hey, Those are my three worst George Michael. At least songs. he was versatile. I mean, you couldn't get more different to "Wake oh. Me Up Before You Go Go." The ballads continue with this from Foreigner. I mean, I don't mind this, actually. I was going to say I that. Can, I can bellow along to this in the I car. Was, but I was waiting for someone else to say it first. Yeah, listen, it was the best of a bad ballady bunch, is what I would say. 1985, the likes of Dire Straits, Madonna, Duran Duran, Phil Collins, they were battling out at the top of the charts. But the year was redeemed somewhat by this. Imagine being that voice gives me that. goosebumps. Controversially, really there, I wondered what clip you would take from that. I think it's it's Radio Gaga that I remember, and is it not that in the movie Radio Gaga? I think it's everyone's Rhapsody, doing no? that. Everyone's clapping to Radio Gaga with a view over Wembley Stadium. That's the one for me, anyway. That would be a dream. Imagine that you've got thousands of people. Just marching to your beat, and you're up on stage there. I mean, that is, I mean, it's goosebumps listening to Bohemian. Just the voice, the vocals. Mm. In 2005, a music industry poll named that performance at Live Aid by Queen the world's greatest ever rock gig. I don't disagree. It beat Jimi Hendrix's appearance at Woodstock in August 1969 into second place. And obviously, I think when Rami Malik starred as Freddie Mercury in in Bohemian Rhapsody, a lot of people were digging out that Mm. clip on YouTube. The film, in particular, was praised. Um, for, for the accuracy of its recreation of that performance by Queen. Um, and actually, Live Aid itself, it was a series of rock concerts uh, for famine relief in, in Ethiopia, and they were held in London, Philadelphia, Sydney, Moscow. They were attended by close to 200,000 people, and they were watched by 1 billion viewers in 110 countries. It was all organised by Bob Geldof and Midjury as they raised over $125 million for uh, relief money in Africa. 
And you think of who they got in, whether they're friends, compadres, you think of who performed across those. You've got Cher, David Bowie, you had Lionel Richie, Madonna, Paul McCartney, you had Queen Run DMC, U2. Remarkable. Those times, I kind of yearn for them. I really do. Days where you would just be around the television screen. Mm. You didn't have any social media. You didn't have the internet. It was just the TV. That was incredible. Love it. Okay, sport up next. And on March the 6th in Albany, New York, this individual defeated Hector Mercedes via first-round TKO, and he would go on to win 26 of his first 28 fights by KO or TKO, 16 of which came in the first round. Tyson again, another one of those fresh youngsters only... 19 years of age. Long is 27. Oh, wow. Left hand again. Well, he nearly sent Long out of the ring with that left hook. Tyson. Oh, Long is down. Second time. Yeah, the following year, he would become world champion, of course, beating Trevor Burbick in the second round by TKO. Mike Tyson making his professional debut. And he wasn't the only Michael who was making waves and making a name for himself in 1985 when it comes to sport. A certain Michael Jordan, who turned 22 in February of that year, he was named NBA Rookie of the Year, despite his Chicago Bulls team being knocked out of the first round of the playoffs by the Milwaukee Bucks. In fact, it was the first time in a few years that he'd actually managed to steer them to the playoffs and he'd caught the eye of every single legendary basketball player. Julius Irving, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird all knew they were witnessing the beginning of something great. You know, this kid's got it, um, and um, and it's great for the league and great for him. Two seconds, here's Jordan, he'll fire a three-pointer, got it, he put it in! He leaves you with something to go home and talk about. <laughs> Body's going flying, what a move, Jordan! The kid is just amazing, and uh, i never seen nobody like him. The start of the Michael Jordan era. That backing track yeah. there got me thinking of Beverly Hills Cop, which is another movie starring Eddie Murphy. That was the previous year. It was 84, 1984, yeah, Beverly Hills Cop. And we missed Chris last yeah, week exactly. because we didn't really have much to say on that, but I'm sure Chris oh, would have so certainly fully. had. Yeah. Yes! <laughs> so good with Billy. Yeah. yeah. Um, another sporting legend in the making. He was very, making some big headlines in motorsport, driving for Lotus. Ayrton Senna won his first Grand Prix in February. The Portuguese Grand Prix. Then he went on to score another victory in Belgium, ultimately finishing fourth in the championship to announce himself as an F1 contender. And in a famous interview this year with Jackie Stewart, he was asked why he'd had so many altercations with other cars on the track when compared to past great champions of F1, and he had this to say. I find amazing for you to make such a question, Stewart, because you are very experienced, Mm, and you know a lot about racing. And um, you should know that by being a racing driver, you are under risk all the time. And by being a racing driver means you are racing with other people. And if you no longer go for a gap that exists, you're no longer a racing driver. Because we are competing. We are competing to win. And, and the main motivation to all of us is to compete for a victory. So much foreshadowing in some of the interviews that he wow. gave. Other than calling Jackie Stewart... I completely and wholeheartedly agree with his sentiments there. Yeah, well, I don't think that was perhaps... I don't think he was intentionally rude, maybe slightly lost in translation there. And in tennis, a star was born on the grass at SW19. Well, and how perfect. He wins the title again with the weapon that has stood him in such wonderful stead throughout this championship. And that Thunderbolt service. And what a tremendous performance. The score of 17... 
Another nonchalant piece of commentary from the 80s. He's in Dubai, this Boris. Is he really? He is in Dubai. Wow. 17 years old, he beat Kevin Curran in four sets in the final. I think he would go on to win three Wimbledon titles with Boris Beck. He had a great rivalry with Stefan Edberg in the late 1980s. Martina Navratilova won the ladies' singles title. In football, Juventus beat Liverpool 1-0 in the European Cup final, which was marred by tragedy at the Hazel Stadium in Brussels. A crush, uh, a collapsing wall caused by a fan crush killed 39 people in that, in that uh, just prior to that match. And there was actually some controversy that they actually yeah, went ahead and played absolutely. it. But Juventus were the champions there and we talked about Mike Tyson's professional bow it was also the year of one of the most celebrated bouts in boxing history known simply as the war Caesar's Palace 15th of April 1985 marvelous Marvin Hagler against Thomas the hitman Hearns and it was an eight-minute clash of the ages And of all the sporting brilliance witnessed in this year, who could forget <laughs> the black ball final? Oh, yes. Back in the day, in the mid-80s, snooker, believe it or not, was the second most popular sport in it the UK huge. behind football. Yeah. 18.5 million Brits tuned in to see Dennis Taylor... <laughs> Versus Steve the Nugget Davis. He had amazing glasses. Fight it out to the black ball. And that was an absolute marathon. It was Bank Holiday Monday. Uh, Davis had already won three world titles. And he was up against Taylor, who was a massive underdog in the match. He was leading the final 8-0 when he missed a shot on the green. That, he says, to this day, still causes him sleepless nights. Taylor fought back to 9-7 overnight. Davis led again, 14-11. They squared it up at 17 apiece at Sheffield's iconic Crucible Theatre. Heading into Monday morning, into the small hours. It was about 2 o'clock in the morning. Where after 14 hours and 50 minutes, Davis... uh, succumbed and Dennis Taylor had this black for the title. He's done it. Dennis Taylor for the first time becomes Embassy World Snooker Champion 1985. Fair to say that's the loudest roar in snooker history. You wouldn't get that today. (laughs) Without a shadow of a You usually get a cough and a muffled round of applause. Is that the wag of the finger? That was the wag of the finger. Brilliant. What was the wag of the finger? He celebrated Dennis, bless him. He he wagged the finger with this big, broad (laughs) smile. He had these enormous, sort of, almost horn-rimmed, upturned spectacles. So if you you wear spectacles right now, Sonal, if you were to take them off and turn them upside down and wear them, that's That's Dennis Taylor's look. That's Dennis Taylor's look. And he was wagging the finger at the camera and uh, we need to wrap up music kills it but I'm going 9.5 for 19 (laughs) I'm I'm giving it a solid 8.5 8.5 9.5 I need to inject a little bit of no 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 give it your own score you can't do your score yeah look uh, for me personally the music absolutely destroys it I I, I don't like any of the music from that yet sorry I know you think I know listen we've all got different tastes and um Personally, it's not my cup of tea, the music from 1985. The films, I don't love them as much as Chris. The sport was excellent. I'm going to give it 7.2 out of 10. 7.2? Yeah. 7.2 out of 10. Okay. And producer Tom, 8.5 and an 8. I mean, 1985, has anyone got anything bad to say about it? It's leading the way. 8.36 out of 10. Yeah.
No wonder. That was a heck of a year. Save for the music, that was almost 10 out of 10. I think there'll be better ones for sport. The, 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 there certainly will be. Anything that Scotland got to a World Cup and involved them and certainly will be. But, you know, universally, the emergence of the two mics, you know, Michael Jordan changed basketball, the face of it, and, you know, the last... And the, the 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 last real someone that captured the heavyweight division. I know AJ. A lot of people talk about Anthony Joshua. No one did it the way that Mike Tyson did. Mike Tyson enthralled many, and you know for him to emerge in that year as well. I almost think of that as the birth. That year was almost the birth of modern sport as we know it, of sporting celebrity. Yeah, maybe of, of uh, you know these kind of larger than life. I know that there'd been superstars prior to that, but you know the the pomp and ceremony around sport and the kind of the brand that, that these individuals became particularly michael jordan with the air jordans and the, sort yeah, of, the brand of jordan but mike tyson also courting so much controversy in his career you know the, i think the fascination with top athletes re- started to build up and well, uh, was driven a lot by these two individuals both of those american as well that that fact isn't lost on me uh, a little bit of course you had George Best the fifth Beatle he was someone that kind of revolutionized the way that footballers were seen when his emergence in the in the 60s and um, but yeah you're absolutely right in terms of 1985 with the likes of Nike etc coming on board advertising MTV was around that period as well that there was an explosion and Michael Jordan was doing things and he would go on to do things that the NBA and the world of basketball hadn't seen before. And then, of course, Mike Tyson, youngest heavyweight, youngest undisputed heavyweight king of all time. He was just knocking people out within seconds, Rob. People were beaten before getting in the ring. And, of course, that brings with it, as we know now with your Conor McGregor's, your Floyd Mayweather's, there is something about the fight game. that There's that human nature. You're drawn to it. And, you know, Mike Tyson was, was making headlines, certainly in the boxing rings, for all the right reasons. He certainly was. Well, when we do 1986, of course, that was the year that Diego Maradona took Argentina to World Cup glory. So that will be another strong year. Off Scripts Time Capsule. Rating and ranking the years that have shaped us. Thank you for listening to the Time Capsule. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate it, and please do, if you've got a moment, give us a review. This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe today.